This is Parker Hesse. This is Sam Branks. You have the pleasure of listening to Hawkeyes and Tall Boys. Cheers, motherfuckers. Welcome to the Hawkeyes and Tall Boys podcast. Featuring your host, Bo Freeborn. You know, guys, even though we get two conference losses, we're still going to end up 9-3. and three. We're going to win the West, for sure. Dylan Pond. Here's the thing, fellas. I'm going with it. 12 and fucking hell, baby. We're going to do it. Let's fucking go. Woo! And Rob Wall. I mean, that would be shocking. But we can do it. I mean, I think we can. So crack a tall boy. And go Hawks! All right, welcome into another episode of Hawkeyes and Tall Boys. I'm Rob. I'm Dylan, and I'm Bo. And we're gonna crack some Tall Boys. And this week, of course, we're drinking the champagne of beers, Miller High Life. That's right. Uh, Tall Boys. Cheers, everyone. You bet. Living the high life. Cheers. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man, this tastes real good. And it's real cold, thanks to Dill. We're coming to you live from Dill's basement, and we're here... Also known as Blaine's basement. Also known as Blaine's basement. Shout out, Blaine, our uh, our uh, Nebraska reporter. Yeah. And um, we are here after a bye week um, to get after some Hawkeyes and Tall Boys to fill you in on everything that's going on with the football team. Uh, we're going to look back this week on what happened against uh, Northwestern. And that would have been two weeks ago. Um, so we'll talk about the outcome of that game. We're going to get into it looks like a great-looking mailbag that Dill's put together for us. So we'll jump into that. Of course, we're going to have to pregame, or we're going to talk about you know some tailgate situations and where um, Dill will be tailgating this week. So um, Dill, if you didn't know, everyone, Dill's actually going to the Wisconsin game. I'm going to Madhouse, the Madhouse. What did they call it? They, they call it Camp Randall, but I feel like there's a nickname for it. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking Madhouse on Madison. Well, it makes sense, Who's though, since it's Madison, Wisconsin. Right. But yeah. yeah, maybe that's what it is. But Madison. anyways, I'm gonna that be, sounds good. I'm going to be mean, jump, jumping around the end of the third quarter, so here we go. It's going to be a good time. Nice. Perfect. You should uh, actually, Dill, if you, for the listeners and everybody out there, you should record some, uh, some video from the game and post it to our Insta. Yeah, just like uh, Jake Mueller did a couple yep. weeks ago at yep. Northwestern, yeah. Yeah, yep. shout out Jake Mueller. Mueller, by the way, thank you, Jake, for doing that. That was great to have uh, a Hawkeye uh, supporter out there. You know, a field reporter basically just giving us his thoughts from from the seats of the game. Quality content too. We saw sweet, sweet content there. Didn't even look like there was a whole lot of uh, Northwestern fans there, which is pretty typical. It sounds like it didn't look like there's hardly anybody there. Yeah, <laughs> like I saw a lot of empty seats. Definitely Kinnick East out out in Evanston. But, uh, of course, we'll get into the Wisconsin preview this week, and we'll talk about uh, everything that goes into that game. So we'll get you all that great content. And if you haven't already, guys, follow us on Instagram, um, at Hawkeyes and Tallboys. Follow us on Twitter, at HTallboys. And we're also going to be uploading new content to YouTube, which I haven't done a little bit uh, in a little bit. But we'll go ahead and get all the, uh, the videos and everything on there. So without further ado, guys, let's talk about last weekend, two weekends ago. We're going to flip back and look at our game against Northwestern. Now, if you're living under the rock, under a rock for the past two weeks, you um, and don't know, we actually pulled out a win. Um, we were ranked 20th in the nation. We're now 18th. Um, the Hawkeyes came in to the Northwestern and um, 
all of that. Where is Northwestern? Outside of Chicago, Evanston. but Evanston. Evanston, Evanston, Illinois. Yep. Oh, all of it's a a, uh, a college up there. That's similar, but anyways. Long story short, uh, Iowa came out twenty nothing victors at Northwestern. Um, and guys, we don't want to really get into too much of a breakdown of this game. It was um, pretty much over at halftime. Um, I want to toss it to you guys just for your initial thoughts on the game. Um, what do you think? Uh, we'll get into some good vibes, good vibes and bad vibes as well. But just overall, uh, Dylan, what did you think about um, this last game against Northwestern? You know, overall, it was your typical Kirk Ferentz Big Ten ball game. You know, it, it was apparent that we ran the ball. Obviously, we were looking to run first is what I'm getting at. We had some success running the ball. And in turn, you know, Nate Stanley had a little bit of success passing the ball. Uh, primarily, Tyrone Tracy uh, saw a little bit of Sam Laporta. So we're getting those tight ends involved again, which is huge, absolutely imperative in the Iowa Hawkeye offense. So good to see that get going a little bit. Defense pitched a shutout. Mm-hmm. Uh and we saw that stat earlier on the Big Ten Network, Bo and I did, where that's our fourth shutout in our last 11 Big Ten games. So, you know, none, nonetheless, in the competition, I, I think most of those shutouts are against subpar teams. But nonetheless, you know, the Ohio States, the Wisconsin's of the world haven't been able to do that. So, yeah, overall, just like you said, a good game offensively and defensively. And finally, we found a little bit of success in the run game. But uh, again, I mean, like we talk about every single week, uh, Tyler Goodson's the real deal, guys. Like, he is so good. And then again, Shut. With our defense, I, I thought overall our defense looked great, pretty stout against uh, what seemed like a pretty bad freshman quarterback there at Northwestern. So, Yeah, it seemed like they really couldn't get anything going, and that's a position that they struggle at or have been. And you guys, uh, um, just looking back from last week, or I mean last year's uh, Northwestern team of Big Ten West champions, how they have, how far they've fallen uh, this year. They do not look like a very solid team at all. Yeah, pretty sad. I think it mostly just due to injuries and then the offense. Just a, kind of a completely new offensive system there. Well, that's the thing. They got a brand new quarterback. No, they got the same running back, but Isaiah Bowser been out You know, the first Injured. half of the season. So, like you touched on with injuries, I think that's huge. Really, all they had coming back is that defense of theirs. And I think you know, I think the mental damage that going 1-6, 1-7 does to a team. Yep. You know, it's pretty brutal, yep. and I think at this point they're kind of down on themselves, and their season's pretty much tanked. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough to be a Northwestern fan at this point in the season, but, you know, that's uh, that's too bad for them. It's great to be a Hawkeye. We control our own destiny running out of uh, that game, and guys, as always, leaving um, this game, um, I wanted to get into your thoughts. Um, obviously, just some quick, let, you know, before we do that, let me just get into some quick stats. Um Okay, so against uh, Northwestern, we obviously scored 20 points. Um, we were able to put up. We were finally able to put up some offensive numbers. It looked like Nate Stanley went 12 for 26 for 179 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Tyler Goodson ran the ball 11 times for 58 yards, averaging 5.3 a carry. Makai um, Sargent carried the ball 15 times. He was our, our leading back for only 46 yards, and he did have our touchdown. Um, Tyrone Tracy caught a touchdown. He had two receptions for 88 yards. One of them, he made a great looking play, and he's somebody that I've been continuing to love to watch catch the ball, especially as a young guy. In yeah, the, dude, you love that guy. I, I love week, that guy. Every week you love him. I mean, he just continues to put together uh, decent weeks. Um, I know early on he dropped the ball quite a bit, but he seems to be really kind of catching a stride. Um, and then also you got uh, another true freshman, Sam Laporta, 
caught two catches uh, for 43 yards. And another one that looked like he could have had, um, they went and reviewed it. They didn't have enough to overturn it, but it looked like he really caught that one and could have. Was he, he might've been the guy who stepped out. That was looked like he was on his way to the end zone, but uh, good all, all around guys. Our defense held him to a shutout, like Dill said, but let's get to some good vibes and bad vibes. Um, and so this is a segment of the show where each of us kind of takes a look at the game overall, and we give, and we give you guys a, a little nugget of what we felt good about that gave us good vibes about the Hawkeyes out, you know, um, exiting the game, and, and what gave us bad vibes, um, you know, about maybe what is to come for the Hawkeyes. And we'll go ahead and toss over to Bo. What do you think? Uh, what's your good vibes, bad vibes for this uh, you know, for this game? Rob, we were kind of talking about this before the show, but I want to specifically point out for my good vibes the defensive line. One thing, not only did they pitch a shutout last week, but you continue to hear not just your big-name guys, but some of your backups, too. So, obviously, we know A.J. Epinesa. We got Cedric Lattimore. We got Davion Nixon making making some big-time plays. Mm-hmm. Um, but something that we also see, too, is we saw Joe Evans come in and have a huge sack last week. Two weeks ago uh, against Purdue, we saw Jonathan Wagner come through and, and have, a, have a big game, a big sack there, too. So, you know, we got depth there. Uh, John Van Valkenberger, whatever the heck his name is, uh, has been playing well, too. So good vibes there, bad vibes, run game. We need to get that run game established, and we haven't yet. Dill, I'll pass to you on that. Yeah, thanks, Bo. Hey, so first of all, good vibes starting yeah. out, and we touched on it a little bit recap in our brief recap there, but Sam Laporta, I think we've been talking about it all season long, how we need to get the tight ends more involved in the game, take absolutely nothing against you know Nate Weeding or Sean Byer by any means, but I, the Sam Laporta, he's got it, whatever that is. You know, I compare it to back in, I want to say it's 2014 when you got a young freshman or sophomore, Jake Doozy, coming in the game versus Ohio State, where he came in and he played a huge role in getting that Kirk Ferentz offense going out there. I think at that time it was actually, oh, what the hell is his name? Greg Davis. That's what I was thinking. I was going to say Brian Davis, like Brian Ferentz. But, no, he got that Greg Davis offense going in that first half early on versus Ohio State where it looked like we were going to give him quite a game. So, automatically, that's the first person I thought of. He's got the quickness. Uh, you know, he's got the skill set to be one of the next greats here at the University of Iowa. He definitely does. Um, looking at him as if, – if you haven't if, – if Sam Laporte is a new name for you listeners, uh, he is a 6'4", 242-pound freshman out of Highland, Illinois – so he definitely has the frame, and you saw his athleticism uh, and the ability to catch the ball on this last Saturday. So I love that good vibes. But uh, oh, my bad vibes. Tell me about, about those bad vibes. Uh, bad vibes. I would have to say it's got to be our interior offensive line. I've been hitting this and hitting this and hitting this, and it's getting really, really old. Um, but we we have got to figure it out in that interior offensive line, and primarily again that left guard position. It never fails. Anybody who's watched a bit of tape on the Iowa offense this year knows you stunt, you're going to get pressure on the QB. And I think where we have it on the stat right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Northwestern, some, we somehow managed only let them get away with one sack. But with that came four additional QB hurries and five tackles for loss. Which yeah. isn't bad, but... Which isn't bad. It's not terrible. But five tackles for loss, again, is just too much. And what yep. that tells me is you're getting pressure up the middle. And again, that falls primarily on that interior offensive line. For sure. You know, one or two of those may be on the DNs, but, you know, with our two tackles, I doubt it. You know, you're, you're going to see Tristan Wirfs and Alaric Jackson make two to three mistakes a game. You know, those guys are NFL caliber players, or at least that's what they should be doing. Yeah. Do they do that every play? Obviously, 
or every game, not necessarily. They've had bad games too, but again, it's primarily the pressure you're seeing coming from the middle. Yeah, and and guys, I mean, I totally agree with you, Dill, on that um, on that assessment of our interior offensive line as far as your bad vibes go, because that's something that we've been harping on. And if you've been listening to Hawkeyes and Tallboys, I mean, that's something we've been kind of sounding the alarm uh, per se on, you know, for a few weeks now. We've been watching. Nate Stanley um, under pressure and you know you mentioned one sack four QB hurries five tackles for a loss like that doesn't seem like a lot but as we all have seen um, in different games I mean Nate Stanley doesn't seem to be able to handle the 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 in-your-face pressure from right up the gut um, as well as other quarterbacks that we've seen Um, you know he doesn't throw the ball away like I would want and uh, he doesn't um, he, his ability to be mobile, it seems like it's kind of uh, not as not as mobile as I thought, or maybe he just makes mm-hmm. wrong decisions, or you know, I don't know. But he he's, he ba- he basically is uh, taking hits and taking sacks and things that I think that he doesn't need to be. No, and you you hit it on the head there, Rob. His lack of mobility is what's causing a lot of this because you know I think he deserves plenty of the blame too when it comes to his sack numbers this year, uh, mostly because. One of those things we've learned, guys, since middle school playing football is a quarterback, you have three seconds to get rid of that ball. Yep. You know, and we see, and I've, I've counted it out a few times watching and rewatching these games where, you know, Nate Stanley gets up and above three seconds and it's like, you know, what are you doing? You know, you don't have the speed to beat that defensive end off the end so you can throw that ball away. You know, what you got to get rid of the ball. Yeah. You know, and I think he's figuring it out to some degree where, it's not quote unquote intentional grounding. You say you throw four and five yards in front of your receiver crossing over the middle, but mm-hmm. you know, nonetheless, something this team's got to get figured out. Yeah, for sure, they really do. Um, and that's going to be my bad vibe, guys. Uh, I have to go agree with Dill there. Um, leaving that game, I mean, we we came out with a great win, but there were still uh, questions that were not addressed that n- literally need to be addressed like it can't be stressed more because the walking into madison this week um they're going to eat us alive if we continue to play um the way that we have been and as far as our interior line goes so i'm hoping to see um looking into this game um our our offensive line coach and kirk ferentz and uh and brian ferentz be able to make adjustments on the fly um, because it, it, they've also seemed to me like they don't really make a lot of crazy in-game adjustments, but um, we'll see what they do. Yeah, and good news there, Hawk fans, is Kyler shoot shot, however the hell you say that shooter, last shooter. Game. They talk, they call him shooter, but it still looks like shot to me. But anyways, I think it is. is it, it is shot. Okay. Okay. <laughs> shot. They just call him shooter. Gotcha. Ten four shooter. I'm <laughs> a Gavin. But sorry, he, he'll, you're fine. He'll be back this week, so there there's some good news there at the very least. Landon Paulson's going to have a little bit of competition coming to that spot where. You know, if he does tank early on, I think you're going to see Shooter step up in that spot if he doesn't start. I was going to say. I, That's what I want to yeah, see. Yeah, I hope he does start, too. Which, and we've all learned that already because uh, Kirk Ferentz's depth chart that they came out with Monday or Tuesday, you know, it still has Landon Paulson listed there as the starter, but... As we all know, that's just a grad assistant bath time activity. So. <laughs> that is a, uh, you know, as we learned as uh, Hawkeye fans, I mean, pretty pr- no surprises on the depth chart for us to be able to stir the pot with prior to a big game. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. sure. um, and my good vibes, because uh, I want to end on a good note, is our defense. And whether or not you guys out there at home or 
in here in the studio with me. Uh, believe me, but the Iowa Hawkeyes defense is one of the most elite defenses in college football currently. And I got the stats to back it up. Um, so I wanted to bring this up because I was surprised. Um, just because we criticize them so much about not being able to stop big plays down the field and blah, blah, blah. And it's not as good as the, you know, what we've seen like with Josie Jewell and when we had Imani Hooker and blah, blah, blah. Well, I was currently, as far as opponents' points per game allowed, third in the nation behind Ohio State and Penn State. So three Big Ten teams are leading uh, the entire nation in defense. We are allowing 10.1 points per game. We're 0.1 points behind Penn State. And leading is Ohio State at 7.9. And right behind us is Georgia at 10.6 points per game. So um, whether or not you believe it, uh, that bend don't break defense, to quote my friend Dill here, is alive and well. And there's uh, some players on that defense that have been playing really well, including Dane Belton, who's been in the cash spot. AJ Epinesa seems to be able to get things rolling, especially against the last, last week against Northwestern. And I love that you bring up that stat, too. And you think about all the defensive stats. A lot of the, de the, the best defensive teams are coming from the Big Ten this year. So on the national scene, it makes the Big Ten look that much better and more respective as, uh, respective as a conference. And then looking at it, too, Ohio State and Penn State, they're both number one and number four, respectively, in the college football playoff poll this week. So yes. you have to take that in consideration as well when we're talking about how good this Iowa defense is. And a lot of people were surprised. And I don't know if you have a comment on that, deal. Oh, um, but a lot of people were surprised. I read a lot of articles today talking about, like, well, how is Clemson going to be left out, the defending national champion, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's a new year. People graduated. It's a new slate. My take on that is, I mean, you can't count out a Penn State team that's currently undefeated um, that is the number two defense behind Ohio State who is the, should be the number one. And, well, and that's the thing. Anybody that gets all pissed off about that, like, listen, the Big Ten's going to work itself out as far as the 14 playoff on. So. Yep. You know, I do think eventually you end up seeing Clemson in there, but as far as rankings go for this week, absolutely not. They're not a top four team. No, and, and to go on that, too, I agree completely that the Big Ten's going to work its way out. But look at uh, strength of schedule right now, too. Ohio State definitely has the better strength of schedule, if not LSU. I mean, LSU's got to be up there, too, because they've beaten a lot of right. good SEC teams already. Alabama, pretty weak so far. Clemson, pretty weak so far. And, and that's another one yeah. there, Bo, that's going to sort itself out. Because yeah. everybody gets so up in arms about these rankings. I think they mean about as much as the preseason rankings. Exactly. Where obviously, because exactly. yep. the SEC is going to sort itself out, because LSU and Alabama have to play each other. Big Ten will sort itself out. Uh, and I think we can all agree. Well, I was thinking, you suppose any Big 12 teams make it in? No. No, I think, honestly, I, think I, I heard. I heard. Because Oklahoma lost. Yeah, Oklahoma is the, next, is the closest to the top, the top four. And they are, I believe, at 14 or 15 this week. I think mm -hmm. the Pac-12 has two teams ahead of one um, Big 12 team this year. That well, tells you how, how well, again, mm -hmm. it's still the middle of the season, but it kind of tells you how, I shouldn't say weak, but how weak the Big 12 is compared to the rest of the Well, and Bo, I, we might be getting ahead of ourselves here too a little bit, but you had a quote from Kirk Ferentz earlier yeah. regard, regarding the college football playoff. You, know you, want, you want to pull that up and read it real quick? Yeah, I will. And, and let's just do this now. Rob, you want to announce it's the mailbag segment. It is the mailbag segment. Oh. And maybe sooner or later we'll have some sort of a drop where I can play where it's like, Ch -ch -ch let's, let's, let's talk to Dill. Let's, let's, it's a mailbag. <laughs> and that's like, yeah, some sort of sweet what, sound what was effect. That, what was that I feel old? Like that'd be cool. What, what used to be at the beginning of songs you would illegally download off LimeWire? 
they're like, DJ Beats, spin that shit. <laughs> Damn, son, where'd you find yes. that? Yes, <laughs> yes, that's that's another one. <laughs> oh, like, it's like a, from Hot like News Hip Hop or one of them. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Love it. Well, go ahead, Bo. All right, so so this is a quote from Kirk Ferentz on the playoffs. Um, and it said, Kirk, he says, no, I don't know what we've gained from expanding the playoffs other than the obvious financial reasons. It's almost become an industry, this whole playoff deal. I don't know how the game of football is better right now, or is any better right now. I'm not sure we've gotten a truer champion. Uh, what I don't like about the playoff system is there is kind of a pull. If you're not in that Final Four, what you're doing really doesn't matter that much. It takes away from a lot of really good experiences that are going on in college football. I think we're creating a mentality that, to me, takes away from what the game is about. And I'll, Dill, I'll let you break that down let first. Let me start off by talking about, you know, what a genuine person Kirk Ferentz is. And, you know, what this quote tells me is that he genuinely cares about all the guys, you know, that are coming up, playing under him. I totally, totally get it. But, Kirk, it's 2019, <laughs> and here's some news for you. College football and the college football playoff is without a doubt its own, what do you call it? A corporation. I was thinking corporation industry. Yeah, it right. is. It is. I mean, they just passed it in the NCAA where these players are going to be able to start making money off their likeness, their images, that kind of thing, signing autographs. I mean, what do you call it? You know, with the amount of money the NCAA is making, the amount of money the college football playoffs making, for you not to want to expand this and give your team a chance to potentially win a national championship, because face it, I was not in that top-tier teams where we lose a game, we still have a shot at getting in the playoffs. Not going to happen. Could we somehow get in the playoffs, make a run, maybe beat a team or two we're not supposed to beat and win a title? Absol absolutely, I think that's reasonable. So it may not sound like it right now, you know, and there's a lot of work to do to get there, but, I mean, that's just asinine to me. To me. It's just asinine. It shows that old-school mentality where, woe is me, we're just little old Iowa, we're never going to get the best recruits, we're never going to play titles. You know, la -dee da let's hope we won a Big Ten title. That's a loser's mentality, and I hate it. You know, I and I can agree with you on that, and I think he's making two arguments about it, too. He doesn't want to expand for financial reasons, but another one he says um, that there's kind of a pull that if you're not in the Final Four, what you're doing doesn't really matter to me. And this is where I kind of want to, I want to debate with you a little bit about this because I honestly think, think about how much hype the top four gets, the play, the college playoffs get compared to just say Rightfully a, new, so. a new year six bowl. Think about this. Like the Rose bowl. Yeah. It's on TV. But I mean, when you talk about, when you, when you talk about college football now, it seems like the conversation is always going to be, Hey, if, are you in the top four, are you in the top four, who's in, who's out, who got cheated. Right. Right. It's not about, Oh, hey, who's playing the Rose Bowl on January 1st? Hey, who's playing the Outback Bowl? It's probably Florida. Or Unless Iowa, the Rose but... Bowl is part of the playoff. Uh, correct, correct. Mm -hmm. So it's like I understand. I, I completely am for the expansion there too, but I un understand where Kirk's coming from too. It's like if you are not one of those top-tier teams, and he's honestly referring to Iowa once every so often because Iowa is not going to have an undefeated season. I mean, what does what does Iowa have to look forward to if they're not going to look forward to the you know top four or even top eight if they expand? Right, it's almost going to be looked upon as, oh, hey, another eight and four, another nine and four, another ten and two season. You know, I mean, what is it looked at now? Looked at as now, you know what I mean? Because so with the play, even with the BCS bowl, if you didn't make the BCS bowl, you weren't shit as a team. Yeah. So I guess I don't, I don't see how it's any different. You know what I mean? You get all these other bowl games outside of the New Year's Day six, if you want to call them that, that essentially mean nothing. 
you know, they're another game. They're another month for your team to practice and get better for the next year to hopefully make the playoffs. Yeah. You know, and that that's how we as Iowa fans need to start looking at this and start treating this. And this needs to come from the top with Kirk Ferentz leading the charge. But again, I, I, I agree with you on that. I do like the fact that we are still playing for something. So just say the Pins or the Pinstripe Bowl in, in New York a couple of years ago. Great experience for the kids. You know, they're gonna go out there, they're gonna stay downtown New York and then play at, at uh, Yankee Stadium. I don't know if it's anything called different. Anyway. Stripe Bowl or whatever. Yeah, yeah wh- whatever. Yeah. So anyways, they get that experience to go there and then go down to Tampa for the Outback Bowl, all right? So you get a free trip down to Tampa. You go have the experience there is one to none. I think where it starts and where Kirk Ferentz's philosophy is, it starts with winning Big Ten championships. And that's the focus that we got to have even if we go – Nine and three, ten and two. Oh, without a doubt, I'm I'm not disagreeing with that whatsoever. Where, you know, I don't think you take anything away from that nine and four season where you win an Outback Bowl like we had last year, because yeah. we made the best with what we did throughout the season. Right. You know, I'm I'm not saying lose a game and tank by any means, like your season's over, because it's not. You still have stuff to play for. But at the end of the day, what these coaches are getting paid millions and millions of dollars to do is to bring revenue into the schools. And when these teams go to the college football playoffs, they're bringing an ass load of money in for the schools and for the kids, you know, and Kirk is so concerned about the kids, totally understandable. You know, that's given these guys eyes on that bigger stage to, you know, take that next, next step into the NFL for those that aren't maybe going into, you know, look at like the Marvin McNutts of the world that didn't make it in the NFL. You know, I know he does pretty damn well here in Cedar Rapids with us cellular. So, you know, putting that name out there, getting that name out there for everyone, I think that's a big part of it too. But at the end of the day, college football is an industry. It's a billion-dollar industry that the NCAA is making shit tons of money off of. So uh, we got to take that next step. Yeah, I think, you know, winning a Big Ten championship is great, which we haven't done in, what, outright 10 years? Yep. Or where we want a share of it in 2004. So 15 years, like, come on. Yeah, you know we we got to take that next step. We got to start ha- building a championship mentality. Yep. You know, as much shit as I give, you know, like Nebraska fans for living in the past, which I should, it's deserved, <laughs> I think. But you know, that's that's the mentality they have. Where over there, everybody's pants are on fire because Scott Frost is looking like he has a potential another four and eight season, where they're quote unquote thinking about firing the Golden Boy. You know, you hear it all the time from their fans, like. Yeah, we grew up in the 70s and 80s where if Nebraska wasn't in the championship, we didn't watch, blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying that because Iowa still has one of the most loyal fan bases out there. I'm saying we need to tweak the expectations a little bit. Well, and that starts with culture, too. And, and maybe it's something to where we change the offense or change the recruiting efforts. Because I, I personally am a huge fan of the two and three stars building them up into five stars, more or less. Now, is that the case every time? No, but I do like that fact. But, you know, if we're going to compete with the Alabamas, the Clemsons, the LSUs, we're going to get some four- or five-star boys to the to Kansas You know, and, and no doubt, no no doubt you're right there that we need, need to get some better talent coming through Kingston Stadium. But, you know, I think it even starts before that in just a program mindset. Because right now the end-all, be-all goal, and it's apparent from that quote, is to win a Big Ten title. Okay, then what? Oh, well, the college football playoffs don't really matter to me. Well, I guarantee – that winning a national championship matters to, you know, probably seventy five percent of recruits. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, I absolutely agree with you guys, and I, I'm going to tell you, uh, you know, I think that uh, in the future, in the next ten years or so, they're probably going to expand the field for the playoff. 
Um, because if you look yeah, at... It's too much money to be made not to. Yeah, exactly. Right. And the right. way that uh, college basketball March Madness has blown up, even since I was a kid, it's always been huge. And so, I mean, they're, they they only stand to make more money by except making it to eight. And if they do make it to eight, I think that two Big Ten teams can have a chance to be in it. And if that's the case, then you're looking at a spot um, for Iowa almost every year if we keep playing the way we normally do but i do agree with dill um you know that we need to uh we need to take advantage of and, and we need to build our program to accomplish something other than just like a big 10 west title right. so uh then that's a great segue straight into the mailbag and i'm going to kind of jump around here with a couple of the questions that we have um so we're going to start out with alex from dill alex is from cedar rapids iowa Alex has a question for us. If the Hawks win, do we forgive Stanley for how horrid he's been in every other big game? Absolutely. So, and then 110% yes. He's got a second question here, and I'll let you guys debate. If the Hawks win out and magically beat Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship, what shot do we have at the playoffs? So, that kind of a playoff question there. So I want you to talk about, you know, Stanley and what do you think about the playoffs? segue, yep. by the way. Yep, I will take this. So absolutely, Alex, we forgive Nate Stanley 110% if he comes out this week, throws for 300 yards, three touchdowns, and we, <laughs> and, we, and we beat Wisconsin. And, you know, we have a shot at winning the Big Ten West. All is forgiven, no doubt, in my mind. As far as that second question goes, and I guess we can touch on that after, but no, no shot at the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think we do either. So let me ask you this. Say Stanley puts up the same numbers as he did against Northwestern, 12 for 24 with 180 yards and one touchdown, maybe a pick or a fumble. Are we still going to forgive him after that? Yes. think so, huh? Yes. If we win. Yep. If we win. Yep. Yeah, Qu if we win. Quarterback will be the leader of the team. However, I don't think we win that game with those stats that he has. In the See, I don't think so game. either. I don't so, think so if, if that somehow does happen – I think all that matters is him winning this game. Yep. Okay. Shit, I think he can throw three interceptions and one touchdown, and I think all would be forgiven. See, I can agree with that, and I, and I think I can also agree with your statement, too. If we win out, I think the past is in the past, okay? He hasn't won those big games. That's fine. But if he does that again this throughout the rest of the year and finishes the season, we're going to be just fine, and I have to agree with you. I don't think we have any shot at making the – the the, uh, the the final four or the college football. And for the record, too, with that, remember Nate Stanley is a Wisconsin native yeah. who kind of got snubbed by Wisconsin with an offer until the very, very, very last second. So, And he's never beat Wisconsin in his career. So so here's, here's a fun fact for you guys and you listeners, too. I had just heard this today that Barry Alvarez was actually – not Barry Alvarez. Who's their coach now? Wisconsin's coach. Paul – not Paul Christ, is it? That sounds right. Paul I can look it up. Here, keep yeah. going. Don't, don't anyway, check. I'm almost positive anyway. it's Paul Chris. Okay. He was at Pittsburgh, and he was actually getting recruited by Pitt and Iowa at the same time. Okay, So when Stanley took his visit at Iowa, he loved Iowa, just had a great connection because his dad. Paul Chris, you were right. Paul. Nice. So his dad's from Illinois, but they both of his parents are from Wartburg, unfortunately. For all you Iowa conference folk out there, but anyways, got a so, cow. So yeah, so they had ties to the University of Iowa. So when Paul Chris took the job at Wisconsin, all the Iowa staff was upset because they thought, "Oh shit, Stanley's going to go to Wisconsin now. He's going to withdraw his offer." Still loved the University of Iowa and decided to go with the, with uh, the Hawks too. So kind of a cool story of how Scott. he stayed with Iowa. That's a very cool story. Yeah, loyal. Yeah, for sure. Stanley, we will forgive you for all your past mishaps in big games. 
but you got to beat Wisconsin. Have to beat Wisconsin. Well, I'll tell you what, guys. The way that Stanley has played, in my opinion, this I mean, thus far this year, um, it's just left a lot on the table to be desired as far as uh, a quarterback is concerned. He's got to be able to lead the team. He's got to be able to uh, – play big in big games. We've had some big games so far this year, and I don't see I don't see that killer mentality um, that he showed us against Penn State. Uh, I mean, sorry, against uh, Iowa State um, in that overtime game in Ames. Uh, not this last one, but the, his sophomore. Oh, yeah. You know, where he was like in the pocket. Somebody, he was like had somebody on his ankles through a touchdown to win the game to, to Brandon Smith. Oh, is it Amir Smith-Marset? Amir Smith-Marset, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right. Yeah, you're right. That's right. You're right. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, that was like a defining moment in his career, and he was only a sophomore. And then since then, I honestly, like, haven't seen a lot to – and when you look about a quarterback, like, def, uh, you know, legacy-defining quarterbacks, you got Chuck Long, you know what I mean? There's there's guys in Iowa's history, like Drew Tate, you know, who came in and, and they won the uh, the Alp. Back bowl, I think. Yeah, that was uh, on that crazy play. Yep. The Capital, other one, Capital one bowl. Capital one. Capital yeah. one bowl. Um, you know what I mean? Like these are all guys that are legends. Ricky Stanzi for all the comebacks that he did. Stanzi the Manzi. You know what I mean? And, and so what? What you're bringing? And Rob, I don't mean to interrupt, but what all those guys have in common? They all have a big, like a big home, big away victory under yep. their belts. You think about it like that. And then they all have big bowl win victories. You talk about Drew Tate, that Capital One New Year's Day Bowl and back in 2005. You talk about Stanzi. Ricky Stanzi yep. winning the Orange Bowl. 2009. Yeah, 09, thank you. I think it was the 2010. Brad Banks. Oh, nine. That ridiculous season that he had. Brad Banks, another one. But, like, these are all guys that are, like, in the lore and legend of, like, how how great Iowa was and, like, a, you know, players that, like, are a shining example of, like, great Hawkeye teams of the past. And I think that this team has players on it that can make a big impact, um, but I just don't think that he is somebody that has shown thus far that he is going to go down among the greats. He may end up leading the team or leading the all-time passing uh, touchdown. Yeah, passing yeah. touchdown. Passing touchdown. He's, he's got to go wild uh, in the next couple of games. Though. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And even to, not only that does he have to go wild in order to take that record, but also he needs to have some crazy big wins coming up against these next two teams. So we got Wisconsin and, and Minnesota um, in order for me to kind of seal it that he's a great Iowa quarterback for sure. And so, Nate, how do you want to be remembered? Exactly. Because it's uh, the time is ticking. And uh, we only have a few weeks left, so it's exciting. But I, I feel like it's a long shot. I feel like at the beginning of the year he maybe had like a five to one shot for all you degenerate bets betters out there. But now I feel like it's down to like a thirty to one shot for him to be remembered as a great quarterback. Unfortunately, so prove us wrong, Nate. Um, we want to go to our next question, and and we'll actually jump over to Blaine. Um, so Blaine from Cedar Rapids. Blaine from Cedar Rapids, yeah, our resident Nebraska fan. Um, we uh, shout out Blaine. What's more important versus Wisconsin? Iowa's D line or Iowa's O line? Both are important, but which needs to show up more? I'll, I'll start out this one, and Dill, I want to echo you know what you've been really harping on the last couple of weeks. Iowa's offensive line has to show up because I, Nebraska, Nebraska. Uh, Wisconsin's defense is tenacious. They're nasty. Okay, we saw them break down against Illinois. We saw them break down against Ohio State. Ohio State's the best team in the country right now. So we can definitely give them that. But, you know, to be honest, if our offensive line is not going to hold up and they're not going to be able to protect Nate or give us enough time, 
you know, to pass in the pocket or create any running lanes. You know, we're going to have no offense again. We're going to see what we saw, you know, two years ago when, uh, you know, we went up there and only scored 14 points off of Josh Jackson's two interceptions. Right. And I'm going to disagree with you. I think it is absolutely <laughs> imperative for our defensive line to come out swinging this game. You know, Wisconsin's known for those big old cheese beer drinking at 13, 6, 8, 300, 400, 500 pound offensive linemen. So Iowa's got to come in there. We got to smack them in the mouth. We got to fill gaps. Now, I'm not looking for this Iowa defensive line necessarily to come out of this game with 10 sacks. I don't think that's going to be necessary to beat this Wisconsin team. But I think they need to do their job and not get blown blown off the ball for one. Because if defensive line, if off or defensive line and linebackers aren't making contact with Jonathan Taylor, you know, at the line of scrimmage or behind. We're going to be in trouble, and we're going to be in trouble quick. Just on that note, too, Don, Jonathan Taylor's had back-to-back 100-yard games against Iowa. He's 2-0 and against Iowa in his career at Wisconsin, too. So just like you said, you know, if we don't have multiple guys tackling this guy or hitting this guy hard right away, it could be a long day for Iowa's defense. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I 100% agree. I would have to agree with Bo, though, on this one. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Um, and, and the reason why is because Iowa's defense, like I said, I was singing their praises earlier in the episode. Uh, and, and I feel like that, that's something that we've leaned on all year and we need, and this is going to be their biggest test. And so I feel like that they are up to the test, but I think it would be more detrimental if our O-line continued to play the way that they played um, and just totally disrupt because you got to score points to win. Now we can, if we can hold a Wisconsin and here, I'll pose this question to you just outside of the mailbag. This is just a question between us now that we're talking, but remember how we said that, man, if Iowa, if you would have told me that I was going to hold Michigan to ten points or thirteen points, how many? I forget how many they score. Was it ten? Yeah, ten to three, wasn't it? Yeah, 10 yeah. To three. Yep. If you would have told me that I was going to uh, hold them to ten points, I'm saying 100 percent we win the game. You know what I mean? Like, are we going to say that about this Wisconsin game? Wow, it's tough. Um, I think if we hold them to ten points, we will win this ball game. I think. I think uh, that that defense should get. The offense fired up enough to score more than 10 points. I think if we hold Wisconsin to 10 total points and keep Jonathan Taylor contained, I think there's no way that Iowa's defense or their offense can't score more than 10 points. See, I'm not going to guarantee that. I, I think this game is going to be pretty similar to Michigan in the regard where you got two great defenses going up against each other. Yep. You know, Points on the offensive side of the ball are going to be extremely hard to come by, which is why I thought that the defensive line is going to be just massively important in this game. We're going to find out how good these guys really are. AJ Epinesa, Brady Reef. Wait, is Brady Reef still hurt? Yep. No, he'll play. He'll he's he's going to play? Okay, yep. that's what I thought. But Cedric Lattimore and Chauncey Golston. We're going to find out how good these guys really are this week. I think this, yeah. is, this isn't their first big test, but it's kind of... It's kind of like a winner go lose or winner go lose, win, winner go home situation because literally it's a Big Ten West elimination game. So these guys got to show up and they got to show up big. So let me ask you this too, and Rob, actually, I'll post you this question since sure. you've been asking us questions too. Yeah, how much pressure is on Iowa to win this ball game? I mean, just think about this from a fan base perspective and the Big Ten West title perspective. I really think that the entire season comes down to this, and I. I hope that the coaches have really sheltered the players during this period of two weeks because it's easy for them to, on Saturday, watch college football games and and, talk, and watch different Big Ten teams and listen to Hawkeye reports and all sorts of news about the team 
um, and like kind of get discouraged or see the line, the betting lines, friends talking to them, all that good stuff. You know what I mean? There's a lot that goes into it outside of, especially when you have a, a couple week break between um, your last game and like the biggest game of the season. And I don't think it's a, any secret that this is the biggest game of the season. When I looked at the schedule before the year started, I, I saw that this is definitely probably going to come down. It was going to come down to this game. We all circled this game. All three of us did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so here we are. And, uh, and I think that um, it's going to be an intense battle, but I really hope that the coaching staff has kind of put this game in the frame of reference and, and kind of just walked them through like a normal week, you know what I mean? Because I feel like sometimes you can get that, like, it's almost like first game jitters, you know what I mean? Especially you're going into, uh, you know, a game at Camp Randall where, you know, there's just going to be a ton of people there all cheering for the Badgers disrupting the offense so i really think that it's gonna it's gonna be a lot but i hope that it doesn't affect him as much as uh as you you might expect so i don't know yeah sure no, what thanks. do you think thanks for answering that no i i think i i mean you hit the hammer on the nail there and before we move to our next question guys let's crack a beer i think we're yeah I'm a, I'm about how about that <laughs> that sounds good the miller high life folks we're living the high life here at Hawkeyes and Tomless. But we want to get to the next question because I think it's a good one. And we talked about the interior O-line here just recently. But Seth from... Seth is from North Liberty, Iowa. Seth from North Liberty, Iowa. Thanks for your question. Kyle Schott, the shooter, is coming back. And so does Paulson finally get benched like he deserved weeks ago? It sounds like he's kind of... Uh, I know. Sounds I know. like he's a Paulson hater. Yeah. Now he's got some <laughs> other questions too, so I want to read you these. Can we have creativity in the off with the in the offense off of a bye? Okay, these are all separate questions. So let's take the first one off the top. Okay. Kyle Schott, shooter. I think we kind of talked about this already, Dill. Yep. You can go ahead and talk about it, but uh, yeah, I think he's going to start. You think he's going to start? See, I, I I think they do stick Landon Paulson in there to start, but I do think he gets pulled for Kyler Schott, and hopefully yep. Kyler comes in there and. You know, blows the roof up. But, Either way, but even before Kyler Schott's injury, I didn't think you know left guard was where it needed to be just yet. I think you saw a lot of rookie mistakes with Schott, so I hope he's ready to go. But you're definitely going to see him in this ball game, no yep. question. Yep. I, I I agree with you guys, and honestly, like this is kind of sidestepping the question overall. But I mean, I hope that they have the wherewithal in the moment to just play the best, the hot hand. You know what I mean? Just ride whoever's ready to play, next man up type of mentality for the, this offensive line. Um, next question from Seth. Can we have some creativity in the offense off of a bye? You know what? Here's the big thing, guys. We haven't seen a whole lot of trick plays yet this year. Think about how many trick plays we had last year. Why haven't we run anything? Have we just not been in situations for that or what? But anyway, I, I definitely think that we can definitely get creative. And now that we know that we have a sure tight end with uh, Sam Laporta, I think that definitely opens up a lot of things. Yeah, without a doubt. I think a big reason you haven't seen a lot of trick plays on this offense, I bet you guys are going to know my reasoning, it's because Nate Stanley has somebody <laughs> in his face within a second and a half. You want to you want to harping on it. You want to run a flea flicker when somebody tackles your running back before they can pitch the ball back to Stanley? No, it's pointless. So I think this offense has got to prove themselves, got to prove they get can get some offense going without jumping to one of these trick plays right away. So I do think we see some tricks, though. I do think we see some of those Brian Ferentz wrinkles that you don't necessarily see in every game. Yep. And, you know, everybody's so quick to hate on Brian Ferentz. I really think this offense is still 
still somewhat limited by Kirk Ferentz where, you know, this is the game plan, we're sticking to it. Whereas, like we saw in that Ohio State game a few years back, you know, that playbook can get opened up quite a bit, and I think we see a little bit of it Saturday. I hope. I hope we do too. And, and to be honest, we've had a week to prepare for this game, an extra week. Um, and that's usually the time when they will put in plays uh, for situations. Um, you know, it's not like we're just, you know, if, if you look at every game's situationally, by the way, you know, every, the first like 10 to 12 plays of any certain game is usually scripted. They're going to run these plays in this order and they're going to see how they play them. Right. See what's going on. And they're going to, and then go from there. But I'll tell you what, I bet that they have counters and I bet that they have like plays that are like a fake off of the current plays that they normally run and the plays that they've shown this far. And I will tell you this, that like I don't think that Brian Ferentz or Kirk Ferentz, um, I don't think either of them really shown much as far as our offense goes. So there's really not, I mean, they, they've basically played uh, kind of a scout offense of what Iowa's offense typically is uh, against Wisconsin. If you're Wisconsin, I'd be watching not, I mean, I'd be watching a lot of film from this year to see who our playmakers are, but I'd be looking at games fast and looking at plays that we've run in the past that, that maybe are, because you know that they're going to see them. You know, and Seth, I love this question, too, because we think about this last year. How many times did we go into games and see a lot of, I mean, some similar plays, but it seemed like every single week there was something different. Like, there was something we would exploit more than others, whether it be a run, the tight ends getting more involved, the receivers getting more involved. We just haven't seen that disparity or, you know, the discrepancy between games this year. So definitely think this is the time coming off the second bye to really do it. Yeah, I mean, and again, it's got to be. It's do or die time. It's do or die time. It has to be. You got, you got to throw everything and your grandmother on that playbook. Hell yeah. Let's go. In the kitchen sink. All right, oh, next that's question. The saying. Not your grandmother. This <laughs> is also <laughs> from Seth. Will Jonathan Taylor run over a freshman we have to play at middle linebacker? Don't go for it. No doubt about it. It's going to happen, <laughs> Seth. Um, however, you know, I, I hope it's one of those things like you looked at DJ Johnson getting beat at Iowa State early on this year. Yep. I, I think it happens once, and then it's like, oh, shoot. <laughs> this guy can play. This guy can lay the hammer, and then they get it figured out. So, so I, I think you'll see it early on. I really do, but I don't think it's going to be all game long. Expect Jack Campbell to get run over one time and never again. Jack Campbell is going to be a gamer, and I think he's going to take more reps than Dylan Doyle is this week. Really? You heard oh, it here first. really? I am, I am very high on that kid, and I think he's going to do very well middle linebacker this week. Okay. See, I'm a I big... Like I'm a big proponent of Dylan Doyle. They're saying that when they were listening off, I think uh, I was listening to the Hawkeye Report podcast, shout out to them, um, a little bit, and they were talking about how they talked to, um, ah, man, I can't remember who it was from the from the coaching staff this week. They talked about like the impact players on the defense and how there's some NFL bodies that are out there. Was it Coach Wallace? Coach Seth Wallace? Might have been. That's the linebacker's coach, one of them. Um, but he mentioned obviously Chauncey Golt and AJ Epinesa. These are guys that that will be drafted to the NFL. Could have been Phil Parker, defensive coordinator. Might have been Phil Parker. Okay, because then they right. talked about um, Dylan Doyle. They listed him mm-hmm. as another player that could could end up being kind of an NFL guy. Um, I, I want to. I don't know if they. The dude's been doing push-ups since he was in diapers. Geno been... Stone was the other. Oh, okay. So they got four guys on the that are legit NFL guys, and they they mentioned a couple other players that they thought, um, you know, may be able to crack a practice squad. And for those of you listening that don't know, uh, Dylan Doyle is actually the son of uh, not head coach but strength coach Chris Doyle. So yep. pretty awesome Iowa City West prospect. Yeah, great looking, uh, great looking prospect at Iowa City West. So, um, and honestly, guys, I mean, 
Jonathan Taylor is a gamer, just to go back to the question here before we move on. Um, and he's like, he's a special talent. If he, anywhere he would have played, Wisconsin just so happened to suit his skill set. But, I mean, he's a guy that is, is going to, there's going to be plays. Anytime you have a big time playmaker, there's going to be a few plays that'll stick out that he'll show you why he's one of the best in the nation. Hey, and Dill, uh, and maybe you know this, was he ever getting recruited by Iowa or was he ever getting oh, looks? Yeah. yeah, he was getting recruited by like everyone. Yeah, I'm sure. Brother. Yeah, I'm sure. And just chose Wisconsin. Oh, yeah, he's a stud. And actually, A.J. Taylor was another one that was coming out. I think they might have been the same class, A.J. Taylor and Jonathan Taylor. But uh, they were both running backs for one Wisconsin at one point because Wisconsin and Iowa were both going after A.J. Taylor crazy hard. And A.J. Taylor ends up at Wisconsin where Jonathan Taylor shows out his freshman year. And then it's like, oh. And then they move A.J. Taylor out to wide receiver, and he's their second best receiver oh, right now. Oh, yeah, so, easily. Yeah. easily. Just, <laughs> we'll get into that a little right. bit later. A couple of Taylors out there just making plays. So we'll be able to see a lot of them this Saturday. Um, we've got a question from Tom, and Tom is straight out of Solon, Iowa currently. Solon. And Tom from Solon has a question. Since Alvarez is the whiskey savior and Hayden Fry's coaching tree is the goat in college sports. Um, no, he said. Is Hayden Fry? Hey, oh yeah, okay, gotcha. Is Hayden Fry's coaching tree the goat in college sports? Yes. Yeah, I would agree. Yes, and yes, and there's a few reasons why. Listeners that may not know, so one of Hayden Fry's original, I want to say it's the 1983 coaching staff. So listen to just a few of these names that you know most of our 21st millennial century millennial 21st century millennial. <laughs> Shout out millennials right, are going to recognize, <laughs> but all of these guys at one point or another were on an Iowa Hawkeye coaching staff with Aiden Fry. So you look at Bob Stoops, you look at Dan McCarney, Barry Alvarez, Bill Snyder, and Kirk Ferentz. I mean, that alone, for those of you that don't know, Bill Snyder coached for about 100 years at Kansas State. Barry Alvarez turned around a mediocre Wisconsin program to start winning Rose Bowls. Is currently the AD there and you know has won even a few more bowl games since then with coaches leaving and whatnot. Yep. Uh, Dan McCarney, longtime Iowa State coach. Uh, turned around that program as well for a while, and you know they were kind of kicking the shit out of Iowa a little bit when he was there sure. too. So, uh, and then obviously Bob Stoops has won an NCAA title with Oklahoma, uh, and yeah. some say he applied for the job with Iowa, but I'm pretty sure he took the job at Oklahoma they, just before. Yeah, you're right, and I think actually he's an XFL coach, and then I think they actually talked about him maybe taking the Florida State coach coaching job and he turned that down right away this week yeah i was gonna wow. say no you, way you, you get to go work three months in the xfl or go work 12 months you know and he's got a kid right now playing down in norman playing for the sooners so oh really yeah i'm sure he wants to watch college football for and sure. do all for that sure. so yeah not a not a chance i don't see him taking another college kid yep. yeah i don't know another coaching tree like that uh i mean no it's and the these are the big ones that i just touched on that you know folks around our age are gonna know you go back and you look at some of these other names, and it's just insane. If you ever get bored sometime and you don't know a whole hell of a lot about it, look up the Hayden Fry coaching tree. You will not be disappointed. Yeah, A lot of good football history there. And it's like these guys that – it's like I remember looking it up one time, um, and it shows like – it's like assistant coach, you know, like somewhere, and then he goes somewhere else and takes the takes over as the defensive coordinator. He's got he's got literally coaches all over the country that are somehow related to this. Well, this and like, like you touched on that Florida State job as well. You know, another guy, current Kentucky coach, Mark Stoops, another one coached under Hayden, or I think he played under Hayden. He might have ended up coaching for him a little bit too. Brother Bobby? Yeah. 
Oh, yep, Mark, yep, Mark and Bob are cool. brothers. So, uh, you know, been the Kentucky coach for five years or so now. And he's turned that program around yeah. too. Definitely. Yeah, they think, are on the map. You know, his, his recruiting has been incredible there and, you know, putting that Kentucky back on the map in a brutal, brutal SEC. So it took a Mon Wagner away from uh, Fran McCaffrey too. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true, but that's fine. All right, so uh, I think we covered all the questions. Uh, ooh, 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 we got one more, and, I, and I'll lace it up. How about yes, that? Yes, perfect. All right. all right, last question for the mailbag, then we'll go into Wisconsin. Dill, we talked about your tailgating this weekend. You are up in Madison, Wisconsin. What the hell are you doing up there? Where are you at? You going to the bars, you tailgating? What are you doing, bro? I'll be drinking. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, so... Me and Buddy were taking off Friday right after work. Uh, lucky enough for me, I work right over um, close to Highway 151, so we just get to hop right on the highway and start heading right to Madison. But uh, Friday night, we're going to be heading over to Whiskey Jack's downtown Madison. Uh, they're doing a nice little Hawkeye party that Bravo Sports Marketing is putting on, so pretty pumped for that. Uh, go there, drink a lot of beer with the Hawk fans, and have a grand old time. And I know the last time we were there, they actually got a bar called the Hawkeye. Hmm. Yeah, so I know me and my buddy Caden. Caden, shout out if you're listening. You'll be listening to this podcast on the way up to Madison, so we can have a laugh about that Let's here on go, Friday. Cade. But um, so no, we'll, we'll probably make our way downtown to some of the other bars a little bit. I know they got the College Station up there that we went to, and that was just that's that's one of those bars you walk through and your shoes are sticking to the ground after oh uh, yeah after uh, Big Ten football game. So good good family fun like there is in Iowa City. So I'm cool. I am pumped. It's going to be a good weekend. Dude. Uh, as far as game day goes, yep. so tailgating in Madison isn't what Iowa City tailgating is. You know, Madison tailgating is definitely centric around the bars where, you know, your walk to Camp Randall, I can't think what that street is called for the life of me right now. So State if any listeners, street? maybe that sounds right. Um, any listeners, Possibly. feel free to comment on Facebook Live. But otherwise, so you walk, you're walking down and just both sides of the street, you're seeing bars. And, oh, you're like, well, better stop in here and have a beer. Well, better <laughs> stop in here and have a beer. And, you know, and these Wisconsin fans, they're, like, real nice. But they're like, yeah, but fuck Iowa. You guys suck. And it's like, ah, cool, man. Good for you, too. I know. Last time we went there, they're like, hey, fuck Iowa. But, hey, but thanks for kicking the shit out of Ohio State last week. Yeah, we really appreciate it. That, that was pretty cool. So, so the fans aren't all that bad. You know, they're – they're not as bad as some of the horror stories you hear, but of course, I was at that game you were talking about where Josh Jackson had two pick sixes, and that was our only piece of offense. So yep. that's yep. probably another reason they were nice to me. So uh, that's cool. But in other words, guys, it's going to be a lot of drinking, and it's going to be a good time. So I tell you what, if you guys are in Madison, Wisconsin, I'm just talking about the listeners here. Co College, the Cohawks, we have an RV going up there thanks to Molly Poland. You gr you graduated like. Four years ago. Yeah, so, okay, whatever. Anyway, anyway, the Cohawks, the Cohawks have a big RV. It should be about 30 Cohawks up there from the Minnesota, Iowa, and Wisconsin area. So if you guys are looking for a tailgate, pretty cool spot. There should be a, an Iowa flag and a Cohawk flag up there. So shout out my boy Clay Hike and the rest of the crew up there as well. But, Rob, I think this is a perfect, perfect, perfect segue. Got a cow. Stop it. Stop it, Dill. <laughs> Perfect segue into Iowa, Wisconsin. Lead us off here. What do you got? Sure. So we're looking at a Wisconsin Badger team that we're going to play this Saturday that started off the year 6-0. Um, they rattled off wins um, against 
uh, looks like so. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, okay, um, against Southern Florida. I don't know why I wanted to say UTEP. That, I knew that wasn't USF. Yep. Yeah, USF. Yep. Um, they also won sixty-one-zero uh, against Central Michigan. Central Michigan. Um, we only have logos here, folks. Thanks, Dill. I'm like looking at these. That kind of looks like UTEP. Anyways, um, 35-14 against Michigan, 24-15 against Northwestern, 48 nothing Kent State against Kent State, and then they beat uh, Michigan State 38 nothing. So four out of their first six were shutouts, um, and everyone was calling them at this point in their season. The greatest team alive. Mm-hmm. And uh, and everyone's looking forward to their game against Ohio State, which happened to be three weeks ago, or two, three weeks, yeah. Um, but they overlooked the Illinois team, where um, looks like the the Wisconsin Badgers came into uh, in Champaign, Illinois, and uh, lost twenty four twenty three, giving them their first loss of the season. It was uh, probably one of the biggest upsets, and it probably will be one of the biggest upsets of the entire college football season. Yeah, what what that game, for the most part, came down to was two late turnovers, uh, and obviously Illinois kicked a field goal as time expired to win the game. So, yeah, turnovers, they'll kill you every time. And uh, in Illinois, despite being the bottom of uh, of the Big Ten as far as football goes, um, Lovey Smith is starting to put together slowly uh, a team of, of playmakers. Uh, in Illinois, I looked to, you know, for them to be a decently competitive team um, moving forward. Actually, Lovey Smith has actually put together a pretty good team over there. So he's he's been doing some pretty good things here the last couple of weeks. After that, Wisconsin went. They went and they beat somebody pretty handily. That was supposed to be a pretty decent team in the. In the in the Big Ten, so good for good for those guys, but we're not talking about Illinois, right? Well, then they went in at Ohio State and lost thirty-eight to seven, and it was not even close. Um, they did not look very good, close till halftime. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say it, 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 it looked looked like a good game until halftime, and then Justin Fields and the boys just turned out to be way way too much. I think Ohio State's defense actually way shut down. What is that kid? That number two, Chase uh, something from Ohio State? Oh, Chase Young. Chase Young. Yep. Chase Young looked like a man against boys yeah. there. He had, what, three sacks and then took yeah, Jonathan he, Taylor down by himself. I so mean, he, just, he's a guy that makes the Bosa brothers look not that studly. Yeah. And that's yeah, insane. good. Yeah, Chase Young good. will be gone after this year. Yeah. So then, um, and he's he's actually one of the players. Uh, he's I would say he, he might be the best player on their team uh, as far oh, as NFL down. talent goes. Hands down. Oh, without a doubt. Um and so then you look at this team that they've had a bye to recover from their two straight losses. Um, but you're looking at a game against uh, Iowa that's slated for 3 p.m. Central Time um, this Saturday at Camp Randall Stadium in Wisconsin. And, guys, this Wisconsin team that we talked about going 6-0, and they have a pretty good defense. And, uh, and that's what they've been known for so far in the season. That they've had also a running back to go along with the defense. So it's kind of your classic uh, winning formula as far as football goes. Run the ball and shut down the other team. Um, Jonathan Taylor, here's some key stats uh, for some of their players. Rans, he's run for 177 times for 1,009 yards, 5.7 yards per carry, and he's got 15 touchdowns. Uh, their quarterback, Jack Cohn, um, he's got a 74.5% completion rate. He's thrown for 1,400 yards, 10 touchdowns, only thrown two interceptions. And then they have a, a, a 
kind of a core of receivers that seem to be capable. Quintez Cephas, um, A.J. Taylor, the brother of Jonathan Taylor we talked about earlier, Danny Davis, Kendrick Pryor, and they got a pretty big tight end in Jake Ferguson, which happens to be the grandson of Barry Alvarez. Isn't that insane? Yeah. And, and just a quick thing, too. I don't believe that Jonathan Taylor and A.J. Taylor are brothers. They just have but the last same last name. They just have the same last name? And they're recruited, recruited and they're both running back. Yeah. Did I yeah, just assume that? that? Yeah. I think it's all right. That's all okay. good. Oh. That's an easy assumption. If yeah. there's, That'd be sweeter there, brother. There's two ponds. Oh, wait. That's not my last name. You guys don't know my last name. But <laughs> well, we've been well, drinking a little bit. Right? If there's two ponds in the NFL, you're going to assume they're probably related. For no. sure. So that makes sense. And looking back here over uh, on Tuesday, Kirk Ferentz usually does his media day. He had a 26-minute media day where 24 of those minutes were talking about how good Wisconsin is. And guys, we talked about the receiving core, the running backs. Jonathan Taylor, if anybody out there doesn't think he is a potential Heisman candidate, they are wrong. He's the Doak Walker winner last year, and he's that good again this year. Mm-hmm. Plus the receiving core, we talk about A.J. Taylor, the Cephas. Quintez so, Cephas. Yeah. Oh, um, God. Jake um, Ferguson's another tight end. Jake uh, Ferguson. Catches the ball. Robbie said it again. I mean, they have so many targets, and they're all they've they're all experienced. I mean, this team is going to be stupid good, and they're going to be honestly a, a tough test for Iowa. Tough. That, that, that's the thing. So you know, say Iowa goes in and game plans just to shut down Jonathan Taylor, put nine guys in the box. This team is going to pick you apart passing the ball. You know what? And here's the deal. I. And this is maybe me going out on a whim. This is going to be the toughest team we played this year. Penn State's undefeated, without a doubt. And Penn State's undefeated. But this team's a better team than Penn State is. Yep, all hands down. Throw that down. Cause they have way more weapons. The only thing they don't have is they don't have an experienced quarterback, and they're playing with a freshman quarterback. But and I think that's a huge part. Not that Penn State doesn't have an experienced quarterback as well. However, I think talent-wise, this team is more talented than the team that Penn yep. State's going to put on the field. Yeah. Um, despite that slip up versus Illinois. Well, sure. guys, uh, everyone's, like you said, talked so much about how great what this Wisconsin team is, the type of defense that they have. And I know I brought up those defensive rankings earlier, but just to give you uh, an insight. So I was third on this list behind Ohio State and Penn State. This is in uh, opponents' points per game. Uh, so points allowed, basically. Then behind Iowa is Georgia, 10.6. Clemson is at 11.4, and behind Clemson is Wisconsin. And then if you don't have that game versus Ohio State where Wisconsin gave up 38 points, they're right in that top five. They're going to be yeah. within – A lot higher. Oh, yeah. They may they may be better than we are. But, I mean, you know, you can't really uh, – can't really. It, I mean, it's tough. I mean, they played against an Ohio State team that, you know, is going to be number one in the nation. Um, and so, like, uh, it's hard to stop – uh, a team like that, but that being said, I mean they did give up 21 points to um, the opening. Well, that was Ohio State who oh, their opening game they gave up 21 points. But well, they Wisconsin gave up 24 uh, against Illinois. So. That's right. Yep. Yep. So I mean, like there's uh, there's something there, I, and, and you know what I mean. I think of what really what it breaks down to is just big plays and, and playmakers and guys who can make people miss. If you scheme it right, get your guys in space, which we have playmakers, and that's kind of what I want to roll into, guys, because we talk about um, so much about how great this Wisconsin team is. But what does Iowa need to do to put together to be able to score points against well, this team? Keys well, to the game. Yep. So let, let's go back, even take a step back there. And look at their last two games. So you look at Illinois and you look at Ohio State. What, you know, what's the common denominator there? 
two things. So on the defensive side of the ball, you know, Wisconsin is without a doubt tough. They're stout. They're stout. They're going to stop the run. Where you're going to hurt these guys is your big plays. And that's something that Iowa does not done a lot of this year. So we're going to have to have a few different big chunk plays to really get that offense opened up so we can run the ball, so we can do everything, so we can pass the ball over the middle and, you know, take those deep shots with Amir Smith-Marset. And I don't want to be starting rumors here, but guess who was walking around media day yesterday without a boot on? Brandon Smith was. And guess who didn't have a limp? Brandon Smith. But guess who's also not on the depth chart? That means nothing, as we've learned. Brandon Smith. Brandon Smith. So, guys, we're, we're going to have opportunities to make big plays. We have to capitalize on them. So we can't be having Nate Stanley miss throws and that type of thing. I think Tyler Goodson's got to be huge. You know, basically all of our weapons on the offensive side of the ball. So I think Laporte is going to play, play a role in this game. I think Sean Byer, I think Tyrone Tracy. You know, you might even see some glimpses of Oliver Martin, I'm hoping. You know, so we look at that, especially Amir Smith-Marset. It, they just got to be huge. We got to make big plays because, again, this is, you know, we're nine-point dogs in this game. So think about it like that. We're, we're going to have to have big plays, and we're going to have to have turnovers. You know, and, and think about that. I'm going to build on that, too, is the, the turnover, the turnover batter. Think about the last time when we played in there. Was it 2015? We had the undefeated yep. season. I mean, I think we had three turnovers, right. and we ended up winning one, that game. One of those in their red zone, too. Yes, and so, uh, Josie Jewell, right? Yep. Yeah. And then, well, I mean, Joel well, Stave pretty much just yeah. dropped the ball, but yeah, whatever, Stave. I'll take it. Jewel Nation. Right. And then they had two picks, two pick six two years ago. So if Iowa's defense can do that, and then, like you said, win the battle in the trenches and do something with the offense, I think I think we're looking at a pretty pretty darn good game. You know, and the way we're talking about it, Rob, and I know you asked it pretty straight up, what does Iowa need to do to win this game? Yep. And this isn't going to be a popular answer with Hawk fans. We have to be perfect. We can we cannot have that stupid turnover in our red zone like we had versus Penn State versus Michigan. Can't have it. Absolutely cannot happen. That's going to be a backbreaker in a game like this. That's going to be especially close, just like it was a backbreaker versus Michigan, and just like it was a backbreaker versus Penn State. You know, and two years ago, we, they talked in the press conference too that that Nate Stanley was a little nervous going back. You know, his first time playing at Camp Randall. You know, up from Wisconsin, big Wisconsin fan. You know, this year he's got to, this weekend he's got to go into it saying, "Hey, man, I'm Nate Stanley. I've I've led Iowa to this, this, and this. We're six and two right now. We're coming into your house and we're going to kick some ass." So right. he's got to have some swag. He's got to have some confidence. And this is gonna this is gonna have to be his game. Yep. This is no. This is the last. This is for all the marbles, so it to is. speak, for him. So let's go. It's got to get done. Well, I, I I legitimately think it's a good matchup. I, you're looking at a team, two teams that have great defenses, and so. I mean, as far as Iowa's offense is concerned, they haven't shown us that they've been able to put a lot of points on the board against teams that matter. Um, and then similarly, I mean, Wisconsin has a great offensive line and they have a great running back. But even against some of the best teams that they've played, i.e. in Ohio State, they weren't really able to put together a whole lot. Um, and I think that's because of all the disruption against that Ohio State had to bring the to bring to the table. So I'm really predicting this game to be kind of a slow field position game. Um, and I'm, and I'm really looking for Iowa to be able to utilize the players that they have. Cause I do think if you look at the skill players, aside from Jonathan Taylor, like we match up pretty well, like they don't have like 
as good, like much better receivers than we do. I think we're comparable. I think we honestly, our receivers might be better than theirs. Um, but they just have a superstar in Jonathan Taylor. Um, and I think that their quarterback is comparable, just like how Nate Stanley is, but he just has the potential to do so much more that he hasn't really shown us. And between both ours and their staff or their, their depth chart, you know, their receiving core has more experience than our receiving core. Our quarterback has more experience than their quarterback. So it's kind of a gimme each way, you know, like a diagonal there. So Yeah, and just even a more general point of view, and I wanted to touch base on this with both of you too because I want to see if you guys remember this game. But back in 2010, you know, Iowa was looking at a potential Big Ten championship season. Wisconsin came to down, came to town. You know, Wisconsin or Iowa scored early in the fourth quarter. Wisconsin had a drive where they punted the ball back to us. We drove down, or I think we ended up punting it back to them. Yeah, went back and forth a couple times. But anyways, so mm-hmm. Wisconsin in this game where Iowa's winning is looking like they're going to punt the ball back to Iowa, you know, late in the fourth quarter. Right. And Wisconsin ran a fake punt. Ran okay. a fake punt, ran it yep. for about 45 yards, ends up scoring yep. a game-winning touchdown, and just the trajectories of both teams. Because if you remember that 2009 season, Iowa just won the Orange Bowl. Yep. You know, eight, I think Adrian Claiborne had not just declared, but he's like, yeah, sorry, everyone, we don't want to be back here. We're going to be in the national championship next year. Or we want to be. I don't think he guaranteed it. But So, you know, we, we come into that game with those expectations. And ever since, the trajectory of Wisconsin has shot up. You know, they've been in the Rose Bowl. They've been in the playoff hunt. And Iowa's has kind of shot back down to that 8-4, and 9-4. and four. And, guys, this is the game where yeah. the tides can turn. You know, I, I do think... Wisconsin has a ridiculously ridiculously talented team, but damn it, we do too. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think our talent's just a little bit younger, you know, with the exception of Nate Stanley leading this team. So, can it be done? Absolutely, and it needs to be. And for all those listeners out there, Wisconsin won that 2010 battle, 31 to 30 on a last second uh, touchdown, money ball, eight yard touchdown with the extra point, good. I cried. 31 to 30, victory. 16 year old man crying in the stands. Hey, don't My father. Me. My father just about attacked a man because we were in the Wisconsin section. I mean, pouring out for the 2010 team, right? <laughs> but my my whole reason of bringing that up is, guys, this, this could be the weekend. Like, that was one of the greatest heartbreaks in Iowa Hawkeye history. That was another thing. Melvin Gordon was committed to Iowa at that point, visited for that game. Three weeks later, decommits and commits to Wisconsin. So you just look at those tides, how they changed. So this is the time. Like, it can be done. You know, Wisconsin's still looking at the Big Ten West, still possibly making a Big Ten championship game. Damn it, we we can go into Camp Randall and ruin it for them. I'd be the happiest boy in the world. I might end up in Madison County Jail or whatever. Well, you think about this, too, and on top of this – we beat Wisconsin. We beat Minnesota. Wisconsin's definitely going to beat Minnesota. So Minnesota's already got two losses. Iowa has a head-to-head. This game is for all the marbles. We've said it a million times. This is for the West. So we've got to go out and do it. And I hope, guys, you're 100% right with this game, um, being for all the marbles. And, uh, and everybody in Iowa City knows that. Everybody who is in the weight room this week, in the locker room, running through plays, 
They know that. Do I smell a prediction coming, Rob? Yeah. Love it. Love and it. So, Love it. <laughs> you guys know me too well. So they know that this is a big game. If some, if if Nate Stanley, I, I really feel like the, uh, the, it's kind of, in my opinion, it's like, well, we've had it up to here, <laughs> you know, with this type of, with this type of like play that we've, you know, been able to put together. Especially guys who are probably from programs that are used to winning, like Tyrone Tracy, some of these big skill player guys. Um, you know, Oliver Martin even is in that boat coming out of high school, and then. They're a part of this program, and it's like you know that these guys are leaders. Nate, this is Nate Stanley's team, but like if he's not going to step up, someone's going to step up. You know what I mean? I, and I look to our defense to be able to do that too. And so it's going to be fun to see how this team responds to adversity. I'll tell you. And honestly, it's going to be fun to see who actually steps up because you're right. If we lose this game, season's pretty much over at that point. We're looking for it to. We're, we're actually. If we lose this game and we go um, to Minnesota, or the Minnesota is yep, a home it's game. A home. Yep, it's a home. Um, I mean, even if we win that game, it's going to be rough, I feel like, because this is going to be a kind of a deflation sort of issue that we'd be dealing with in that situation. And then if we lose to them, then we're going to be 8-4. and four, And then it's like, you know, kind of a toss-up on what bowl game we're going to head to and who we're going to play, which would be a disappointment. And I think you guys would agree. If we win against Wisconsin, I feel like we ride that wave against Minnesota and we win and we finish the, t- the season 10 and 2. That would be success. And I think that would be success in our, in our season. And All it right. looks so differently because, like, how different a 10 and 2 season is between an 8 and 4 season is like night and day. Even a 9 and 3. 10 and 2 is way better than 9 and 3. Yeah. And it's just shocking to me. So, and, and then we could win, obviously, Big 10 West. And then we would have like a shot at like a pretty interesting bowl matchup, which would probably be against a Pac ten Pac ten team. Would that be a Rose Bowl? I don't know. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Pac twelve. Um, assuming Ohio State. Pac twelve. Yeah. Assuming Ohio State makes the playoff. Right. Correct. Right. Correct. Yeah. That should happen. And I mean, would we be? We'd probably be in a Big Ten championship at that point. Oh, yeah. Correct. That'd be an Indy. Yep. Yep. So. I mean, that would be everything that's on the line. The entire and like guys like AJ Epinesa who's going to the league next year. You know, I mean, all these guys that have maybe, maybe that might be a topic for another day. Yeah, for sure, for <laughs> sure, for sure. Well, I'm talking about guys that are going to be leaving this team. Like it means a lot to them. For sure, our best, some of our best players are young, but like it, they. I hope that they've really pounded that into their heads. I'm kind of going on a monologue here, but I really hope that they've pounded that into their heads um, and, and really shown them how much it really means to them as far as being a Hawkeye for them. And, like, you know, obviously guys like Tyrone Tracy, guys like Tyler Goodson, um, Dane Belton, these guys are going to live to play another day. But some of these older guys, I mean, they're, they're really, this is kind of it for them. So, so yeah, it's a really big game. My prediction. Is that hey before you before you do the prediction? Let me give you the line. Let me give the yes, spread. Yes, yes. So, for you degenerates out yes. there, if you're like me, I need to know what the line is. I need to know what the over under is, and I'll even give you the money line too. Perfect. So right now the line Wisconsin is at minus nine point five. So nine point five points for the line. Over under for this game is thirty eight point five, which. To be honest, is a pretty good number knowing what Wisconsin's and Iowa's offense can do, but you got to think about the defenses too. So again, minus nine point five for Wisconsin over under 
38.5. And what's the money line, Rob? Yep, money line uh, on this. And like, I just recently learned this since I'm uh, sort of new to gambling um, as far as uh, sports books go. So, but money line is here's the amount of money you would need to bet in order to win a hundred bucks. Um, so obviously Wisconsin is favored by nine and a half points. Um, and so the money line on Wisconsin is minus three seventy, which means you have to put down three seventy on Wisconsin in order to win a hundred back uh, on top of your three seventy. Obviously, uh, Wis- uh, Iowa would be plus two eighty five. So you bet a hundred, you win three eighty five. Believe that's how that works, um, and so uh, it's interesting money lines there. It's it's going to be a, a tough game. I, you, if you talk about them giving up three points for just being at home, that means six point five. So that means that they're they're favoring them by a touchdown, basically. Um, I do think that I I'm a believer in Iowa football. I believe that this team is too talented to not have anything under their belt as far as the season goes. And, and so I, I'm picking them to win. But I don't think that they're going to cover the spread. And I think it's going to be... Wait, who are you picking to win? Iowa. Okay. That's what I thought. Yep. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring affair. And so my pick is 17-14, Iowa. Wow. Mm, wow. Okay. Nope. Okay. You know, this was one of those where you struggle with your Hawkeye fandom compared to being realistic. And watching both of these teams all season long, I think there's just a little bit too much firepower that Wisconsin has. So for the first time all year, despite our intro, I'm going to pick against the Hawks. I do think they cover that 9.5 spread. So I would put that final score at Wisconsin 23, Iowa 16. So I I definitely think Iowa gives it. I I think this is one of those games similar to that 2015 Michigan State game in the Big Ten Championship where the Hawks are going to come out. They're going to give it all. It's going to be blood, sweat, and tears. I don't think it's going to be enough. I think I'd feel a lot better about this game if it was being played at Kinnick. Yeah. But with us going to Camp Randall, with Wisconsin coming off of a bye and coming off of two straight losses, I think they've had this one circled and – I, I think they're going to get it done. You know what? I'm going to channel my inner Lee Corso, and uh, I will explain it after I say this. But, yes, yeah, son, that's a great pick. And let me tell you something. I'm going to pick Wisconsin as well. But <laughs> Lee Corso, every time he's picked this year, I think he's 2-8 and eight so far in the season. I Maybe 2-6, maybe and six, anyway, whatever. But he has not, not been very good on picking the correct team. So hopefully with me saying that Iowa wins, but I got Wisconsin winning twenty four to thirteen. So they're gonna take the spread and then go with the under on this one. So I gotta be in agreement here. Wow. <clears throat> that is rough, guys. I seem to be the only one um uh, drinking the Kool-Aid around here as far <laughs> as these Hawkeyes are concerned. Um, but it's gonna be a great game. I'm really looking forward to see what they can put together on the field. They've had a week to prepare for it. Um so we'll be able to to chat about that next week. So obviously tune into the game. Um, it'll be at three o'clock in the afternoon. So um, it'll be a great time to, it's actually a perfect time to literally drink, get up early, hang out. You actually sleep in a little bit, drink a little bit and then uh, get in pregame for the That's game. Right. And then, uh, and then it, by the time it's over, then you got the nightcap game. So yeah. it's really in a good spot as far as, uh, as, as far as that goes. Um, and LSU, Alabama is also 
playing this week. And I believe that's where... Yeah, it's a damn shame no one's going to watch that game with the Iowa-Wisconsin game being on at 3 o'clock as well. So <laughs> when is, uh, We need to check that out to see when... Because we need to find out, guys, what we're going to bet a chug on. So, And, and last week, guys, um, we... What do we pick for that? Um, so it was actually, listening. yeah, it was, it was actually, week. yeah, we didn't, we didn't have an episode. Oh, last, that's right, last yep. week was about. Um, but the week before, we had South Dakota State at North, no, sorry, North Dakota State at South Co- South Dakota State, where College oh, yeah. Game Day was at. So, and and just for you, uh, you listeners out there, LSU is at Alabama. Game time is at two thirty, and that is in Alabama. Gotcha. So, and I'm assuming that's where college game day is going to be. That's correct. You got it. That's correct. Um, let me look at the. So right here, I'm on FanDuel. I was right going to say, you guys want to do this one just straight up? Yeah, let's just let's just do it straight up. Here, just letting you guys know, uh, Alabama has a 71 percent chance of winning this. The spread is at negative minus 6.5 at Alabama, and yep. then the point total is at 63.5. The over under is 63.5. Money lines at minus 235 for Alabama. Yeah. Plus one ninety five for LSU. Um, yeah, we'll just do it straight up. Who cares what the score is? Go straight up, Rob. You got it. Who you got? I am picking Alabama, the home team, because I've learned my lesson that I'm not betting against Alabama. Okay. G E A U X. Go Tigers. Go, Coach O. And the boys from Baytown Rouge, Louisiana, are going to take this one in Tuscaloosa. Y'all heard it first. Joe, is it Joe Farrell or Joe Furrow? No, no, Joe no. Joe, uh, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Why do I think Joe Furrow? I'm thinking like <laughs> like a furrow in a hole. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. right in front of me. But Joe Burrow is going to go into Tuscaloosa. He's going to beat Alabama uh, on his way to a SEC championship as well. And Joe Burrow is going to win the Heisman Trophy. Wow. I like that. That was an intentional space. You guys like that build up? And- wow. I yep, like that. Joe Burrow's going to win the Heisman. I like that. I'm I'm also with you. I like the Bayou Bengals too. I think they're going to go through and they're going to pick apart this Alabama team who really hasn't played that many teams. Coach O. All right. Never thought I'd say this, but if a chug's on the line, roll tide. Ooh, baby. Love it. Home of one American. Before we close out, everybody that we were on on Facebook a little earlier, we just wanted to say here at Hawkeyes and Tall Boys, good luck to all those farmers. Again, America needs farmers. A and F. We're all about it here at the and at uh, at Hawkeyes and Tall Boys. So everyone out in the out in the field of harvest. Good luck to you. We wish you nothing but the best. And uh, thanks for all your service. Perfect. Thanks so much for listening to this last ep- uh, this episode. Of, this episode twenty six of Hawkeyes and Tall Boys. So Love it. if I haven't said it uh, before, obviously make sure to reach out to us on any of our social medias. On Facebook is where we're going to post this live video. Um, we also broadcast on Anchor, uh, which you, if you're listening on Anchor, you probably heard our uh, advertisement for that. Um, so that's a great place to listen to podcasts. Is also um, we're on Apple Music, we're on Stitcher, and we're on iHeartMedia as well. We as is everywhere. We're everywhere. Are so we on Spotify yet? Not yet. Yeah, I need to really follow up with their technical support team, bastards. We're working on it. Oh, and then we're also going to be going either Facebook or Instagram Live from Madtown this weekend, so be sure to tune in. I'm sure my prediction will change at some point that day. Sure. We'd love to see some 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 great footage from Dill on his adventures tailgating, so tune into our Instagram, at Hawkeyes and Tallboys, to find all that. And thank you so much for this uh, listening to uh, this last episode of Hawkeyes and Tallboys. And I just remembered, guys, we got to get some victory poker going on. 
Oh, geez. So I'll get that rolling right now. But anything else we need to tell the folks before we uh, get started? Gosh, let's hope for a big Iowa upset. How sick would that be? 18 at 16, huge upset. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I mean, well, if we win this game, like, what are, what are do you? how much do you think the spread would change for this uh, Minnesota was uh, First and foremost, it just depends on who was Minnesota's playing this week. I don't think they're going to go undefeated into next week. But anyway, don't matter. We just know the Hawks are going to come to play. We're going to be ready to play. That's true. All righty. Thanks again for listening, and here we go, Hawks. Yep, we're just uh, waiting for some <laughs> victory. We're going to start. Here we go.